What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Aaron Collier. So this is a little bit weird. I'm actually I'm interviewing Aaron about one thing, but our paths actually crossed a while ago, and I don't think he knows this. But uh, I'm about uh, to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the in the day, I used to work for this magazine called uh, Next, and uh, oh I, my. <laughs> I still have the copy. Yes, yes. I'm looking at a copy of it right now. So <laughs> oh my god, I think I had hair on my head then. <laughs> yes indeed, yes indeed. <laughs> yes. Oh what yeah. a blast. So uh yeah, I was um the art director there and uh I took some photos, I believe, of an article that we did on Jimmy Swift band and yeah. uh yeah, very so. cool. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, and uh, here we are again. Uh, and you know, the the stories are a little bit correlated. Um, you know, I actually talk about the Jimmy Swift band in in, in the in the show uh, frequencies that we'll talk about today. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So let's let's tell the people what it is that you do. Well, uh, I I wear a lot of hats actually, Dwayne. Um, I like I like to constantly be learning new things. So um, first and foremost, I guess I, I work for Heist or uh, Heist is a company that I have with my husband, Richie Wilcox and our partner, Sylvia Bell. Um, and we, we produce live art as we say it. So any, anything from, from plays, uh, sometimes more musical endeavors like concerts and sometimes parties. Um, we've done a couple of awards galas in the last couple of years. Um, and so that mostly with, with that, I, I'm, I'm a technical director. I'm, uh, sorting out how to make visuals or, or actually creating visuals or projections or doing sound, creating music. Uh, and then I, I, I do write a lot of music and I, I dream up some shows to create, um, part of heists work uh has has been these these sort of drag anime um shows called the princess show and uh, so that features myself my husband richie and our drag alter egos princess edward and abel t suck his own and (laughs) (laughs) um they're both kind of uh puns as names but but mine is pg and his is slightly less so but uh I'm from Prince Edward Island, so uh, Princess Edward is my, my alter ego there. Oh, uh, got it. Yeah. Um, so, so lots of, you know, I do a lot of different things. I'm really interested in mostly in, in sort of performance and show business and, and the entertainment business and how it all works and being behind the scenes, being on stage, uh, oftentimes both at the same time. Cool. And so... Why did you refer to it as anime? Is it because there is like an animated aspect to it, or is it more because of the like the nature of the the performance? It, it's a little bit both. Um, at the time that we were were making it, 
we were watching uh, an, an, an anime cartoon called D- Dead Man Wonderland. Okay. And super cool show. Um, and it was blowing our minds a bit. In anime, there's something fantastic about, well, in the style, first of all, you know, incredible, incredible visual storytelling. And it, it, compared to the cartoons I grew up watching, um, the Japanese artists are just so inventive with capturing emotion and, and they'll, they'll, they'll show, you know, just they'll freeze a frame uh, that's really emotional and they'll give it a whole other kind of, you know, artistic look just to highlight the feeling of the characters. Mm. And in anime, cartoons are extraordinarily high. It's, it's the world is ending kind of stakes. But it always comes down to that inside the, the protagonist, inside the main character, they're having a struggle with self-acceptance or getting past something that happened to them or believing in themselves. Um, and so I sort of obsessed with this and I wanted to create this, this show with my alter ego, Princess Edward, where the whole show would be lip synced. So all the dialogue would be lip synced and the stakes would be really high, but it would sort of be about princess sort of, you know, coming around to self love, uh, because, Mm. uh, you know, the absence of that is really what has been holding her back. And so we, we do that show in front of a, a, a 16 foot scrim, a video, uh, like a, a thin piece of fabric um, that has a, a projector beaming onto it from behind. So we're sort of backgrounded by these digital animation backgrounds and we uh, do all, all of the acting. So it's sort of somewhere between, it's like a live action anime, or cool. we hope it is. Cool, cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I love about anime too, and it's, my kids are just starting to get into it. So it's nice to see that uh, come full circle. Um, How old are your kids? If you so, don't mind me asking. No, it's okay. Uh, one will be 13 on Sunday, and the other one is 10. Okay, yeah. So like those high stakes for them must be just mind-blowing. Well, well you know, like they're weird because they they pretend that they're not into it, but yet, you know, they'll binge watch, you know, uh, I can't even remember what they're watching right now, but like a show will come on and they'll just, they'll binge watch it for like a day. And I'm like, ah, okay, but you don't like it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. It's everything, but you don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but most of the time they, they, they think it's just weird or at least that's what they tell me. And I feel like they're having secret conversations about it outside, like when I'm not around or whatever, but, but it is kind of weird, you know, like I, I feel that too, again, you know, just growing up on, on PEI, um, that other style again, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different kinds of imagination and different folklore and things that are in there that, that seem totally weird and exotic to me. I'm really drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Uh, so, grew up on PI. What, what kind of kid were you? Were you always, like, creative, per se? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I talk about this in, in, the, in the show Frequencies, too. And, and uh, I had a great childhood growing up on PEI. Um, I, uh, I grew up with two older brothers, although what, uh, one is 15 years older. So, by the time I was, you know, two or three 
uh, he was already, he, he was uh, in army cadets and then he left home to join the army. So I mostly grew up with my, my next oldest brother um, and I took to the piano at a really, really early age. I was two years old when I first sort of discovered a piano and I was obsessed with the piano. Mm. Um, to the extent where, you know, I, I, I just did it all the time and I was, I was quite good at it uh, as a kid. I, 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 and I went through all the piano lessons in the Royal Conservatory and I thought I would become a concert pianist. I thought that was my, my trajectory in life. Um, but as a young kid too, I, I liked to put on shows. I was really into magic. I was, um, I don't know if I was good at it as a kid, but I, I certainly wanted to be good at it as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I would put on shows. I remember uh, my best friend and I like put on a show. My mom invited like cousins and aunts and uncles, and they all came down into the basement, and we put on this show. And there was there was drag. You know, I loved to dress in my mom's clothes at that time, <laughs> and uh, it's sort of just yeah, per- musical performances, magic tricks, and and uh, little skits and that kind of thing. So. I, th- I say it's fair to say that I was a pretty arty kid. Got you, got you. So, yeah, and you were, what, what, actually, what did you play in Jimmy Swift Band? What instrument? Was it that keyboard? Was, yeah, yeah, exactly, the keyboards. Okay. Um, yeah, I joined that band when I was 20 years old, and um, I was sort of obsessed. I had seen that band a couple of times. Like They were, you know, touring around the Maritimes, and they would come to... Baba's Lounge, which was that that was my that was my haunt. Okay. Um, it was it was kind of the closest thing to a gay bar that PEI had then. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't and or isn't a gay bar at all. It was just kind of a cool place where anybody could go and, and be there. Right. Um, but it's totally like dedicated steadfastly to live music. Um, mm-hmm. They had live music like five, six nights a week. And so I saw the Jimmy Swift band play there, you know, tiny bar, and I danced the whole time. And I was sort of obsessed with this band that had these huge instrumental sections. Like they sounded kind of like techno music and kind of like rock music. And I, I, you know, at some point I just decided that I I wanted to join that band and that I should be their keyboard player. Like this, (laughs) (laughs) like I'm, 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 I'm built for that. And, um, and I told them as much actually once at one of their shows, and I think they were a bit like, "Oh yeah, okay, well, who's this? Who's this sort of strange guy in bell bottoms and a and a blue felt <laughs> fedora?" <laughs> and uh, and my friend told me that they um, they were looking for a keyboardist once in Halifax. They were running these jam nights um, at Hell's Kitchen. Do you remember Hell's Kitchen? Yes, I do. Yeah, at the basement of the Marquee now yep. called the seahorse uh, <laughs> and uh, they they would run these jam nights every i think tuesday night or or something like that and it, they you would just go and sign up and then they would put bands together and you would just go and you'd get on stage with with a bunch of musicians that you either knew or didn't know at all in my case i didn't know any of these people uh, and then it was just you know decide on a key decide on a vibe and and do a jam and this really turned me on this was this was you know, everything I wanted about, about playing music with people. Um, and I went there, and so I, I, I jammed with them a few times. And at the, the end of the, the jam, I said, hey, I, um, you know, I'm coming over from PEI for these jams, and I can't 
I can't really come back and forth a lot. And uh, I don't own a car. I'm borrowing my mom's car to do this. And, and uh, so I'm like, I just, you know, I need an answer. Like, do you want me as your keyboard player or, or not? Right. And my answer was, yeah, I guess. Like, if you were going <laughs> to... And so I went home and I told my parents and I moved to Halifax yeah, like a week later. Wow. Like, what, what was that like? So, like, these days, like, I remember... I, um, well, I barely remember those days, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I, a, I know. You were in a band. Like, for me, like, being in the part of the magazine, I was also part of, like, the nightlife crew. So yeah. part of my job was going to shows like what you talked about and just, <laughs> yeah. just partying with people. But, like, you were actually one of the people on stage. So, like, that must have been crazy. You know, to be honest, it was it was a dream come true. And... You know, not a lot of it was super glamorous, you know, being in, in a band, but that band did well, especially in the way that we had really dedicated fans. Mm. And so every show felt like it, it, it was special and that people were, you know, people were having the best nights and people danced hard. Mm. And so uh, it was, you know, in a, at least in my own head and in my own world, it was, it was transcendent to be playing right. music with those guys and, and, and to... Also, you know, 20 years old, moving away from home, living in a new city, and then, you know, going on tour, um, being perpetually broke, but just, you know, it, it was it was sort of everything to me. And yeah, <laughs> you can you can fast forward, you know, 12 years after that, and, and there's a there's a point where I realized that like, you, you can't really you know, drink that much Jagermeister. You have to stop at some point. <laughs> and so I did. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I hear you. I actually got pulled out of the game because one of the nights I was out, uh, we went to the palace and I ended up meeting my wife and that was pretty much the end of it. I was like, okay, this lifestyle is done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> at a certain point you're like okay i got i got what i was looking for out of that or or i saw yeah. what i needed to see out of that yeah so um with with heist uh, you're you're kind of doing a whole bunch of different kinds of performance is there any particular part of performance that you enjoy best or like i don't say in performance but like you're also like behind the scenes creative as well so uh yeah is there something that you enjoy more than something else yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm a big fan of being on stage. It's something that I've loved my whole life, and it makes me nervous. Being a designer, so, so creating sound design and, and video design and projections or set design, those elements are really gratifying to me because they are, they're really they're challenging, and they, are, uh, they interface with like a whole team of people in a way and, and, and it's very detailed. The things you do when you're helping tell a story with different elements like that, uh, you know, little tiny things make, make all the difference for the audience. You know, you, you have to help an audience move from one moment to the next in the story and, and, and sort of have the best experience they can. And you have to leave uh, the right amount to their imagination, but feed them the other parts to, to sort of stoke that. Right, but when you're on stage, that's the that's the real time part. 
Um, you know, all the design happens kind of offline, but when it comes to the performance, that's the, the main event where it's, all right, you're there, there's a tension on you, and people have already sort of committed in saying, I, you can have our time. We're going to give you our time. And I always, you know, try to hold in my mind that their time is, is really the most valuable part of the whole thing. Mm. If, you, if you add up, you know, you have an audience of 100 people giving you an hour, you know, it's 100 hours of, of, of life. <laughs> um, there's something about it that, that that's my favorite part for sure. It's the part where I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be, I guess. Mm. Do you, like, have, have you mastered when things, I'm sure inevitably things go wrong, like that doesn't freak you out at all? Uh, it it, I think it depends. It totally freaks me out on, on some level. I think it's. I think I'm learning. I think I'm learning how, how to handle those those moments. You know, in the in the band, a lot of that happened. You know, uh-huh. when, especially when you're a jam band, right? Suddenly, you know, you think uh, you're gonna move to the next section, and you you change your keyboard patch and start playing a whole different chord, mm. <laughs> and yeah. your three other musicians just don't change, and suddenly you're. you're <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, you've done something. Um, and so a lot of practice in that, in that regard. And, and, you know, the lesson really is it's back down to that time thing. It's just like things that happen on stage really happen. And you have to either choose to ignore them because they're not important or you have to see them as these little gifts that it's just like, all right, something new just happened and, and we have the opportunity to, to, to explore it or look at it or have fun with it. Nice. Yeah. I like, I, I call them happy accidents. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think probably my, my life's best work is whatever happened in happy accidents. So <laughs> no, that, that's so true though. Like sometimes I'm terrified to start a painting or finish a painting or, you know, work on a design thing, but like sometimes that struggle of just making a mistake or to go in the wrong direction per se is what actually leads you towards what you end up loving at the end of it. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny you bring up the starting part. Like, I'm, I'm terrified to start everything. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, uh, I have a little mantra that I say to myself, which is, okay, here's the wrong way to do it. Uh, <laughs> and then I start. And so that I, I, I give myself permission to sort of, you know, to not know what I'm doing and to do it incorrectly. I love that, actually. Um, I think I'm going to steal that. So, yeah. Please, I stole it from somewhere else <laughs> along the way. So, Cool. So let's talk about frequencies. What's uh, frequencies about? Well, frequencies is... Um, what it's about is, is, is sort of this music that I made. I started making music, techno music, and I hadn't really made music in a while, like for me, like to make you know, maybe an album of music. And uh, I had this idea to make music that was based on frequencies of nature. So I would look, you know, I would research things. Uh, one thing I did is I, I, I thought about the solar system and all of the planets and how long it takes them each to do an orbit around the sun. So what a year is like on each of those planets. And, uh, and then I, I was thinking about the relationship between the, these, these planets and their orbit times. And I thought, if you could speed time up really, 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 really fast, 
so that, you know, I found out that if you sped time up uh, to the extent that 10,000 years was passing, you know, like every, every snap is 10,000 years, right. then uh, Pluto would orbit the sun 81 times per second. Okay. So I thought, well, what does 81 hertz sound like, right? A frequency that we can hear, 81 hertz, and it's, you know, it's a nice low bass note. It feels wonderful. And then I just sort of went in, you know, I went to Neptune and Uranus and Saturn and Jupiter and Mars. And I, I sort of realized that they, they all, they're playing a chord. They play this fantastic, strange chord. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's the basis for a piece of music. And I, I, I went through in this way and I, I just sort of was looking, you know, half, half pseudo scientist hat on and half just sort of curious Aaron had on, trying to find out like what, what kind of perspectives can you find when you try to manifest these frequencies into music and playing with time in that way. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had this idea that we would take, the, take these pieces of music and then I would tell stories over top, kind of like I just did, but I would be playing the music and I would tell stories in a way that allowed people to understand how the music was made, uh, uh, similar to how a, a singer-songwriter, you know, will, you go to a singer-songwriter concert, they'll, they'll tell you about their life and how songs came to be and what, you know, the, the bridge was really difficult. And <laughs> right. so, and then I had this idea. And so you, you get closer to the artist in that way, but you can't really do that with techno. You can't really go to see Dead Mouse in concert and see all the visuals and hear all the music and figure out well, what's this, why did you, why these chords, you know? Right. And who are you as a person? Um, so I, I had this sort of half-baked bird brain idea that I would, <laughs> I would create a techno songwriter show and not really sure if that's a genre that, <laughs> that should or could exist. Um, and, and I started, I had this piece of music that mapped out a year of time and you could live a year of time listening to the, the sort of rhythm of the way the sun and the moon go across our sky. Because the sun, you know, we, we see the sun at the same place every 24 hours because our right. earth is rotating. But we see the moon in the same place every 24 hours and 50 minutes. So, you know, the moon crosses our sky at a similar but slightly slower pace than the sun does. Okay. And I thought, you know, what, you know, what if you could hear that? What if you could hear that relationship um, if you sped up time a little bit so that you could hear it? And so... I did this and you could sort of live a year of time in about three and a half minutes listening to this sound. And I thought, okay, well now to bring people into that, you know, I know how to set it up. I know how to tell people what they're listening to, but now once, once the, once we all know what we're listening to, how could you tell a story over a year? Story of 1981, which is the year I was born. Mm -hmm. And I, I just told the story of like, okay, well, you know, Here's my parents, and they're they're pregnant at the beginning, you know, January first, nineteen eighty one. They're pregnant, and my oldest brother is fifteen, and uh, and then my next brother is going to be five, and I know that my parents were hoping for a girl, <laughs> uh, and so I just sort of went through I went through the year and sort of talked about the year and what what I supposed might have happened and what it might have been like, and and sort of painted the picture of my family. Cool. And that's the that's the nut that sort of cracked open at that point when I when I when I started to think about my family and who they were 
as people, you know, as adults in 1981. Um, my mom was, you know, 39 at that point. Uh, and I was 39 when I started to think about this. <laughs> so there's this sort of resonance happening where I'm like, oh, whoa, like, I can feel that. I can feel that at this point in time, like, my mom felt like I do now. Mm. And I started to think about where my, you know, what had happened in my family before I was born. And it, I realized that I hadn't ever really done that. And it <laughs> sort of, sort of this mind blowing thing when you realize, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a whole story there that, that, that can be unpacked. And that, so sort of in a way, we sort of go through this music and I, I start at 1981 and I bring us up to the present moment um, and sort of, you know, in the context of me growing further apart from my family, sometimes growing closer, you know, joining a band, moving away from home, um, self-discovery, th those type of things, uh, sort of all in the context of, of what my family connection has been and what it's meant. Mm. Um, and then the, the other thing I wanted to do with the show, I didn't know why, Duane, but I've had a recurring dream my whole life. I've had a couple, but one in particular. And I All thought, right. oh gosh, what does this dream mean? I, I used to ask myself that a lot when I was a kid. And I talked mm. to a few people about it in my teenage years. And to be honest, I, I, you know, I never really figured it out. And, and it would come back in, into my life at times, this recurring dream. This sort of weird dream, too. Um, and I'm the only person in the dream. And um, I had this idea... You know, as you do when you're making art, you're just like, that's that's weird. That's interesting. Maybe I'll maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll do something and, and I'll and I'll bring that dream into this. And then lo and lo and behold, the process of making the show revealed revealed some of the meaning of that dream and the origin of that dream to me. Um, and so I do share I, you know, I share that in the in the show as well. Mm-hmm. I got you. So we we don't get to know what the dream's about here. You have to go to the show to. You, yeah, you do. Have, yeah, you have to go to the show to figure out. You know what my what my family's. Uh, you know what the specifics of my family are. Got you. Dream ties in. All right. Got you. Got you. Um, unrelated. How have like you coped with the pandemic? I mean, you know, a lot of what you do is based on events. Yeah, I get, you know, that's kind of related to the show, really, because, you know, here we are. Um, you know, I consider myself pretty lucky in some ways, like in a professional sense, you know, in, in my art creative sense, um, it's been it's been a little bit of a boost because, you know, I work in digital audio and I work in digital video and we incorporate as heist, you know, digital elements into all of our things, into our events, into our parties. There's projections, there's, you know, there's sound design, there's, there's music. And so when, when the pandemic hit and suddenly there's this idea that it was like, well, what about, you know, what about hosting events on Zoom? You know, what, it, what is that? Mm -hmm. We realized that, you know, or I did, like I've been preparing for this my whole life. I've been... I've been sort of obsessed with computers and, and, and how to make them do pretty things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, suddenly I realized, well, there's, there's, a way, there's a way to continue to share things with people 
almost in, 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 in a new way that's more accessible for some people. You know, some, some people don't want to go to the theater. They don't want to go to a bar. They don't want to go to a party um, because they, they might have social anxiety or it's just not their scene or, or they just, uh, you know, <laughs> something I'm starting to relate to is that, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn 40 this year and sometimes I don't want to go out. <laughs> but I want to see what you're, yeah, <laughs> but I want to see what you're doing. And so, you know, there's a way where we've been able to share with those people, you know, we don't beam images out of projectors at, at this point, and we don't play audio through speakers at this point, but we just kind of like have worked on how, how, do you, how do you funnel that sound into the internet and how do people access it? And so, uh, you know, it's been a, a cool challenge and it's been illuminating and I've learned a lot in that way. I think maybe, you know, after the summer, it was actually in September, um, when, when I, I, the, the weight of the pandemic, that's when it started to hit and I started to recognize, like, I just haven't been grieving any of the things that we've all lost. Um, you know, and I think maybe it happened to, you know, at, when they cut, shut down the border to PEI, uh, that's where my family is. Yeah. And so I've just, you know, spent Christmas, the border's still closed. Um, I'm doing a show about my family and about how I want to be closer to them. So there's been, you know, that, that, that whole thing. And I, I guess it's just, it's just been a bit of a trip, but overall I feel, I feel on the privileged side of things. Um, uh, on, on how it's affected me. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, it's, it, I think it delayed, it was a little bit of a delay for me. I, I'm more of an introvert and like to stay home, especially as I get older. And I was kind of like looking at the upside of all of this in the beginning at first. And then it it just kind of hit me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really welcomed the break, and I was just like, oof, I've always wanted a little more time, and now I've got lots. <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, the, the social impact, and, and, and then just the, the impact that it had on everybody I knew, and, and knowing, you know, that folks were, were suffering. And of course, you know, the pandemic is, is one thing, but it's part of a really big picture of, you know, there's a lot of... of you know, public grieving and 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 sort of this this need to take action on on being better humans and trying to change a society to to one that might sort of fundamentally work a little different, all while sort of not being able to just get together with people and look at them in the face and say hello, human, let's mm-hmm. connect. <laughs> so you, it's a challenge. Do you feel like? Uh, because we had that slowdown, this forced slowdown, we've had to, to look ourselves like look at look in the mirror and say, hey, look, like how are we treating each other? You know, Black Lives Matter became uh, a lot bigger of an issue uh, than it had been previously, and just yeah. like in general, we just started saying, hey, look, we're not treating humans uh, the way we should. Like, do you feel yeah. like the pandemic fed into that? I think it, it, it must have, like, the amount of information that was available and widely being shared on, on the platforms where now you're living your whole life, I think that really brought forth uh, really incredible 
you know, amounts of, of perspective from a lot of different viewpoints. So, you know, I know for me, taking in a lot of different voices at that time and still now, I mean, it, it has helped me. I, I have woken up more and recognized more of the things that it's just like, you know, the real painful part is, is when you realize that you're, you've been hurting people and you, you, didn't, you didn't know mm. <laughs> because, because you, didn't have to, you didn't have to feel it and, and you're living in a world that's structured in a way mm-hmm. where, you know, you, you kind of have to go out of your way to feel it. If you're not, if you're not in it, if you're not black, if you're not, you know, if you're not a woman, if you're not gay, you don't, maybe you don't, you don't have to feel the things that those people feel. Um, yeah. Because the, the, the world is, is sort of, it, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's built, it's built by white people for, for white people in, in a lot of ways. So, uh, the, the challenge of, of getting down deeper in that, I think it's been a good thing. It hasn't been easy, but it's been a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, personal for me in terms of personal growth as well, I think, uh, just, I find that when you have been, when you're put in a position where you have to confront another person's humanity uh, in a real way, it, uh, it changes, changes you in, in a, you know, in a, in actually in a real way. Yeah, in a real way that that sort of has implications, you know, going forward and and the yeah, it's I think it's what life is about to be honest. I think it's you know, it's what we're supposed to be doing when when we're trying to build a society where we're interacting with people and we're making yeah. stories for people, you know, that's that's really what it should be about. Yeah. Yeah. What so what would you say uh creatively is a challenge in what you do because like you know you're you're attack you're attacking so many different aspects of production with what you do yeah i mean there are there are a few challenges i think something that comes to mind uh you know you asked me how i was feeling uh, you know before we started to roll here and i said i'm somewhere between exhausted and excited and uh the 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 this process has been the heaviest lift uh, f- for me, and not only you know just this show, but like everything from from sort of the beginning of the pandemic, and and our company is is growing, so we're kind of operating at a different capacity. It's just it's just three of us, hmm. and then it comes to okay, here's this show that is you know deeply personal that I feel is important for me. You know, not not. I can't really phone it in. I have to. I have to do the do the story and my family and me justice. Not only that, but all the people who are going to tune in. Mm-hmm. And uh, but working with new technology, we're so the show is being captured by uh, my scene partner, who is wearing a VR helmet with a special camera attached to the front of it. So when people tune into this, it's a live stream. They're going to see the show from the scene partner's point of view. So in, oh. in some ways, the audience is kind of cast as the scene partner. And so that, that you know, in, theoretically is quite easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, but the other side of that is that when you want to build a show in VR, is, is your... Um, like we, we build custom software, we, we code and build software. 
And so this is the first sort of show where we, we've done it with multiple people, multiple designers. We have an incredible team uh, of, of designers. I'm, I'm in a room with Matt Downey right now, who's <laughs> waving to me, working on another uh, laptop, building um, some fireworks, I think, okay. uh, to, <laughs> to place in the show. And um, that combined with this, okay, here's this musical offering. I haven't really put out any, any music in, in a long time, so I feel the need to be you know, rigorous and make sure that I, I have a good musical product. And then I need to sort of synchronize it all together and perform it. So it's just been a really heavy, heavy lift. And, and you know, maybe the biggest challenge is, is learning how to manage that lift, learning how to accept the happy accidents, learning how to see the happy accidents uh, and just sort of, you know, stay, stay great, get enough sleep and, and, and I'll let, let the show become what it's going to become. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, actually, when is the show coming up? It is coming up dangerously fast. <laughs> uh, it's coming up on February 17th. Uh, we open up. So we're, we're sort of uh, setting this up and performing from the bus stop. There was a world where we dreamed, you know, months ago that we would have audiences here watching us make it happen. But I don't think that'll be possible for us uh, in this run. So uh, we'll open on February 17th and play at various times every day until February 21st. Um, we've got a few presenting partners sort of all over the country. So we do a couple show times that match their time zones. Okay. Um, which is super cool. We're kind of on tour nationally, but we don't have to leave the bus stop. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so, so people, you know, something worth noting, um, during the pandemic, uh, right away we started to have these parties where, where people could join a Zoom call and right away we, we made it possible so that uh, it was, uh, we had tiered pricing. So anybody who wanted to help, you know, contribute to Heist and support what we do, um, there's a variety of ticket options, uh, you know, from, from cheap to, uh, a, you know, to premium if you're, if you're feeling like you've just got money to burn and you love us. <laughs> and, uh, but there's, there's free tickets to every performance as well. Um, kind of going back to this thing that we, we value your time more than your money. So, um, uh, you know, it's, we've, we've made it hopefully easy for people to tune in. Um, and to that end also, it is a, it's a live stream that people can tune into, like you don't need a VR helmet, uh, uh, you tune into it just like a live stream. I think a set of headphones wouldn't go astray because there's a lot of music and sound in the show, but um, it streams right from our site. You can watch it on your phone. You can watch it on your computer. You can, you can cast it to your TV, um, all, all sorts of those good things. Cool. So, um, I don't, well, I was going to ask you if it was available later because I'm not sure when this episode will drop, if it will drop after the uh, date of your show. Oh yeah, uh, gotcha, cool. So uh, it, it isn't available later. Uh, so uh, if, g- going back in time, uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, um, the show, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how the show was great. Uh, I'll just put that into the future right now. <laughs> the show went really well. Um, the, the, uh, the show is live. Uh, so it, we're sort of big on, on, on that. We realize as, as heist, you know, we brand ourselves as a live art company, and we really focus on the fact that live is, is really important to us. And, and art, we can define, but 
but live we want we want to create experiences that are shared in real time. So uh, it's it's entirely possible, and and you know one hopes uh, that the show will live on in a way that we will be doing performances again in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do hope is it uh, you know lives on in the future is is that after the show, I would love to find the time to 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 do a proper mix and master of the music so that the people can at least uh, sort of enjoy the the sciency techno uh, in their own in their own lives. Got you. Got you. Cool. So um, if there's any piece of advice you would give someone who's pursuing, uh, I mean, it's hard for me to iron down one creative pursuit because you're very multidisciplinary and multi-talented. So (laughs) (laughs) what advice would you give someone? Um, I think, I think that when I look at sort of the things that have, have, have given me some level of success, uh, it comes down, down to the sort of the keenness to, to be, just to really stay curious about, about the creative idea. Uh, and, and, you know, in working with teams, working with plays, it's often like the play, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, let's just say that, you know, the play, the story you're telling, to stay really, really, really curious about that, and 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 don't worry about your your competency or your artistic skill. I mean, those things they they have to come by doing. Like, there's not a lot you can do, except you know, get over the fear of starting and being completely inadequate because that's how I feel. You know, when I start, and and just you know, stay committed to being curious about that idea. Um, yeah, get your get your personal your personal ego out of the way as much as you can, um, and I, I find that that you know that's that's really the jelly of it because your your skills, you know, if you stay connected to the idea, to the to the story, to the message, or to to your even to your beliefs, you know, if you stay connected really tightly to those, everything else seems to fall into place, and you'll surprise yourself what with what you're able to create. All right, dope. So if there's somewhere online that uh, my audience can find you, where would that be? Uh, they, they should go to liveheist.com and they'll, they'll discover, discover all sorts of goodies there and they can drop us a line if they want to be in touch and connect. Cool. Sounds good. Aaron Collier, thank you for doing our Pays Me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, it was nice to get a little blast from the past. I know. I love that. Made me feel really warm. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Dwayne. I've I've sincerely enjoyed it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace. <laughs>